Hey, this is John Sally, and thanks for listening to the Humble Warrior Podcast. This is Cassie Sobleton. I'm a health and wellness expert, speaker, and author of Back to Balance. You're listening to the Humble Warrior Podcast. Hi, this is Lisa Hickey, CEO of Good Men Media and publisher of The Good Men Project. Welcome to the Humble Warrior Podcast. Hey, it's Jason Robel, the author of Eternity, and you are listening to the Humble Warrior Podcast. This is Michael Patrick Peters, the creator of Dance Meditation Technique, and you are listening to the Humble Warrior Podcast. This is Len Barker from the Mankind Project Chicago. You are listening to the Humble Warrior Podcast. Hi, this is Katie Delbaugh, author of the book Let It Out, and you are listening to the Humble Warrior Podcast. Welcome to the Humble Warrior Podcast. Here are your hosts, Chris Forte and John Moises. I'm John Moises. That is Chris Forte. Live brave. And this is the Humble Warrior Podcast. Welcome to the show. Welcome, Humble Warriors. And we're back for another episode of the Humble Warrior Podcast. We were off a week because of Labor Day. We didn't work on Labor Day. How was that for... We didn't. Uh, are you not supposed to work on Labor Day or how is it? I don't cool? know. I feel like every day we're working. If we're working on ourselves, we're always working, right? I like it. Yeah. Well, today we've got a great guest. Her name is Ann Purcell. And Ann is an award-winning author and musician who's been teaching meditation around the world since 1973. She currently oversees the teaching of transcendental meditation in girls' schools and communities in several countries in Africa. She has worked on course development for universities and continuing education programs. Her latest book is The Transcendental Meditation Technique and the Journey of Enlightenment. And her seventh album, entitled You're a Hero and Profound Principles for Every Child to Enjoy, was just released last August. Welcome to the Humble Warrior Podcast, Anne. Uh, thank you for having me. Yes, and we're very grateful uh, for you being on the show today. And and uh, you know, before we got online, we just talked that we had Bob Roth here a few weeks ago uh, regarding transcendental meditation, and it's just you know, there's no such thing as coincidences, and uh, it's just nice to have someone else who's been not only uh, studying it, but obviously been teaching it for quite some time, and. You know, and I think one of the things, you know, we've talked about meditation so much on our show. Um, would love to, you know, just get your your background on, you know, how meditation came into your life. Well, I first heard about it when I was 17 years old. I, I, I don't want to date myself, but that was back in 1971, 72. And uh, I heard about it as a junior in high school and a friend told me about it and at that time I didn't think I I could do it I thought I could never never sit still for 20 minutes and the next year I went to college college in England and I ended up at a school where I didn't really I was so new it's a new country I didn't know anyone and I was looking to get involved in meeting people so I got this brochure what's on in Oxford it had all the lectures and and musical events and Shakespeare plays but there was an ad for transcendental meditation and it just jumped out at me so I took the course and I could not believe in my first meditation that I could actually sit still for 20 minutes and enjoy it and that had a very profound just that first meditation had a very very profound impact on me and I've Rarely, rarely have missed a meditation since 43, 44 years later. Wow. wow. And is that doing the 20 minutes in the morning and the 20 minutes like um, late afternoon, early evening? Yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, I could, uh, I'm, I'm still like a newbie, been going on maybe a few months, but it is, um, especially in our busy world, it's just it's nice to know that you could have this type of program where, you know, I was trying all different meditation techniques and you feel like you need to be able to, you need to sit for hours and, and you got to be in this complete stillness and quiet and non-moving. And there's nothing that's wrong with that if that resonates with somebody, but th this, this type of meditation and is really, really resonated with me is, and you just see the benefits. Like you said, even what's unbelievable is you said right away, you even felt it on the first one. And I definitely, you know, get that feeling every day. 
<laughs> differently, but it's just been such a nice practice. Yes, I think the reason why it's an enjoyable practice is because it's so effortless and easy. There's no trying, mm -hmm. there's no concentrate, there's no trying to be present. Because what, what keeps people from being in the present or having lots of thoughts is actually stress. And so even if you want to be in the present or you want to be still, if the stress or if the anxiety is there, your mind's going to wander. Also, if something's enjoyable, the mind will naturally stay focused on it. If, if, if you're reading a boring book, the mind will keep wandering. But if it's a really gripping book, the mind will stay engaged very naturally, very spontaneously. And because TM is natural, and because those quieter levels of the mind, and even the most quiet level, the transcendent, the state of pure being, that is a state of pure joy, pure peace, pure calm. So given the right chance, the mind will naturally go there in a very effortless, very easy way, and will stay there. And because the mind and body are intimately connected, as the mind goes to those very quiet levels, the body go also becomes very quiet, very rested. It's a state of rest that's even deeper than that of sleep. So when one comes out of meditation, one feels very refreshed, very clear. And it's that deep rest that allows stress and anxiety to be released. And then very naturally in activity, you're automatically more focused. You're automatically more present because the anxiety is not overshadowing you then at the, in your work or whatever you're doing. Yes, and especially today with with everything that's going on in, in the social media, you know, you could, you could, I mean, you could get caught up in a lot of these, I call it unnecessary stresses and anxieties, and it's just nice to know that there are practices out there that can help you deal with all this. Exactly, a place to really go for refuge. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I like to say it's not stress management where we're learning how to manage the stress of the world or the stress of social media. It's getting rid of the stress. And then when we're feeling good, when we're feeling strong, when we're feeling happy, then all those influences don't affect you as much. You're just much more relaxed and easy. And so they bounce off of you. They don't overthrow you mm. in a very natural way. Right. So you've been teaching this since 1973. So in your experience, what have been the benefits of transcendental meditation that you've seen in yourself, others, and with children? All right. Well, I guess I should start with myself. Um, I've seen many changes over the years. When I first learned, I think the first change I noticed was that I could actually focus in my schoolwork. <laughs> I think I was a little ADD. I was very good at getting out of my work. And I started focusing in my work. I started going to libraries. And this was really a huge change. I could go to libraries and sit and, and engage in my schoolwork and start to enjoy it. So that was the first thing I noticed for me was this ability to focus. But then the next thing I noticed was I started to have all this energy, creative energy that I needed to direct. So I got into cooking. And then in time, I got into writing. And it just started happening. I started thinking songs just started bubbling up inside me and poetry. And, and I would start, I started keeping a journal and I started writing poetry. And then that developed into writing songs. So that was really exciting, very thrilling. And then long term, I would say, I just feel more easy in dealing with situations. What used to upset me, what used to bother me doesn't bother me anymore. I just see that the outer is changing all the time. So I don't hold on to those outer changing experiences because I feel more settled in that non-changing silence within myself. It's like silence is my cocoon silence is my anchor 
And it's a very protective, very nur- self-nourishing feeling. And that that's what I would say is the ultimate change is just feeling nourished from within with the experience of love, <laughs> with love and warmth. And, and because as the stresses go and begin to dissolve, one enjoys deeper experiences of transcendence, which is very nourishing. The silence is so peaceful and so calming and so rejuvenating that it just gets better and better. That Beatles song, it's, it gets, it's getting better all the time. (laughs) (laughs) And then, and then, and then you asked what I've seen in others and then children. Yes. I, I, I would say I, um, everyone's different and everyone's experiences is different. Some people I've seen dramatic health benefits, people who had health issues due to stress. I've seen those health issues dissolve due to that deep relaxation. I've seen people get off, in some cases, even their medication that they were taking for anxiety. I've seen people just be happier, just more self, become more self-content. I've seen people, when I see uh, some of the younger people I know who've learned to meditate as, as friends of mine's children who've learned to meditate and have grown up meditating, I see great, really great clarity of mind, really a very sharp, sparkling intellect, but uh, very fun-loving at the same time. They really seem to enjoy life and and um, are very happy individuals. And the last question in children. We don't teach children to meditate until they're 10 years old. There is what's called a walking mantra that a child can get when they're four, but they actually don't get their sit-down meditation until they're 10. And... The, and in schools, we've taught over 300,000 students. I'm sure Bob Roth told you about those projects in many in inner city schools in America. And there's a profound change in the students. Uh, the change, the main change, which was similar to mine, is that the students are able to start focusing in on their schoolwork. They feel self-empowered. They feel they have a place to go for refuge because many of those children live in very highly stressed areas. They feel it's a safe place for them. But one thing I want to um, emphasize, these are all very subjective experiences, but objectively all these experiences have been measured and there's now over 360 peer-reviewed studies, including studies in education in these school settings, showing that that absentee decrease, uh, decreases, that their ability to focus increases, that there's more coherence between the left and right hemisphere of the brain. So very, very concrete physiological cha- changes take place in people who practice transcendental meditation. And I got a question for you. I've been... Yeah? It seems like when you started meditating, it, it came very easy to you. Does it come easy to everybody, or is it something that I, that you've you have to kind of keep on doing and practicing to get good at? No, well, people learn to meditate in the first meditation, and then there's three follow-up days. You have to go to a TM center and ta- be taught by a recertified trained teacher of TM, and. You really learn in the first day it's that easy. But then the three follow-up days establishes uh, the practice. So you're on your own after that. So you really learn in four days. And it's and it is easy for everyone because it's an automatic, as we said, as I said before, effortless technique. And as long as you have the ability to think a thought then you have the ability to practice transcendental meditation. And uh, if, if children in schools can learn at the age of 10 years old, and if uh, especially children, we've had a project even with children with ADD, ADHD, attention deficit disorder, 
if they can learn and enjoy it and sit down for 10 minutes and be still, then I think that really shows that anyone can learn. Yeah, and to our listeners, I'd like to give a shout out to my teacher, James Kahini. Um, and so I went through that process here. And for those in Oakland County, there's a TM center here in Clawson, Michigan. And it's just like how Ann described. And, uh, and what's great is there's also follow up to that if you so choose. Yes, that, 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 that's a good point. Uh, you the first year you're recommended to go to the center, maybe once a month if you can, just to reestablish that effortlessness. Sometimes we're so used to trying that some little tiny effort can creep in. And so you have what's called the checking of the meditation, and that reestablishes the effortlessness. And once you've learned TM, you are welcome back anytime. And a teacher, a TM, Transcendental Meditation, will always be happy to check your meditation. If at any time you feel, oh, I just doesn't feel like it's working or something, um, you go and get your meditation checked and it immediately reestablishes the practice. Yeah, and I'd just like to add a couple things. What I find neat about it, too, especially the way the world is going now, is one is it's finally now it's kind of like, a little bit of science, a little bit of technology has really caught up to all the hard work you guys have been doing, you know, since, you know, in your case, since 1973, where there are these studies. So there is like proof that it, it's working. Um, but just like in, in the yoga studio, I practice yoga, John practices martial arts. It's also another, another, it's, it's another community you can be a part of. And so even though it's a practice that is, you, 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 do alone but there you know you will meet you will meet other people on that journey as well and there's group meditations and it's just there's a community behind it as well i guess is yeah, what the so point is making. it's nice it's nice you brought that out because uh, i've lived all over the world and everywhere i go in the world i can go to a tm center and there is a community and there's just a natural bond just like in a yoga class there's a natural bond and that's a really really wonderful feeling and people also find that doing meditations in a group is a very uh wonderful experience they notice that the experience is even deeper and more profound there's something about when people get together and you have five ten 15, 20, even 100 people meditating in one room, the experience is uh, greatly deepened and, and even more profound. But it's important to emphasize that's just there if you want it, uh, and you don't have to join any community, or it's just there if you would enjoy that. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, you made the great yeah. analogy, you know, for, for someone who practices yoga, it's you could practice yoga alone and or you could practice yoga in a in a group and where where do you get that you know that that better experience for yourself exactly exactly mm -hmm. so and you know a lot of our show is built around spirituality and we we do on our what we try to do in our show is just trying to educate mainstream on what you know spirituality means and you know, I think what John and I have come to the conclusion through many guests and just our dialogue together is really we each have the power to define what our our individual spirituality is. And that kind of leads us to our next question is, in your words, what does spirituality mean to you? In one simple word, I would say wholeness of life. And then a more expanded uh, definition, I would say it's the integration of the mind, body, and soul. And I would say that integration takes place most profoundly in the experience of transcendence. Mm. Because the experience of transcendence is the experience of wholeness of life. It is the experience of fullness. It is the experience of love itself. It's the experience of pure peace and and when you're established on that level then you're really and you're feeling fulfilled inside and you're experiencing that wholeness inside then you're also in a much better position to also give to your surroundings and and share 
um, your being with others from a level of fullness and happiness, which is also an aspect of spirituality. And we're going to... Oh, go ahead. I was just wondering if that um, conforms with your definition of spirituality. Yeah, well, you know, you know, just I'm just talking from my perspective and kind of what, you know, John and I are learning through this journey is that I think, you know, I don't think there's any wrong answer regarding one's yeah. spirituality and spiritual yeah. path. It's it's really feeling comfortable with, I think, you know, one's belief systems and you know, and however we get there, right? And the tools that yeah. we need to get there. And obviously trans yeah. transcendental meditation from here has, has obviously been the tool, and I'm sure there's other tools, but it's been one one of one very valuable tool for you on that journey to right, to come right. up to come up with your answer. And so I think it's 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 the journey in itself and really I, I like the way you put it of, 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 of sharing yourself, sharing your being and it's it's getting to that place however we have to get there. And we've kind of coined a phrase here that we use we call it spiritual fitness <laughs> and what are the techniques and tools we can use so we can identify who we are at the core in our body, mind and soul and there's exercises you know trans transcendental meditation being one yoga being one prayer some sort of exercise healthy eating it, it's all encompassing and yeah it's really oh go ahead i was you can say one supports the other right and it's just kind of like it's almost it's like a lifestyle yeah it, it's a living yeah. lifestyle and no one's kind of I shouldn't say no one. I guess what we're trying to do is, is kind of giving a, a easy platform to kind of follow to help us on that journey. Yes, and I, I loved what, um, I'd like to expand a little bit on what you said, sharing your being or what I said, and then you echoed it. Uh, the experience of transcendence is an experience of unboundedness. In physics, they call the, deepest level of life the unified field mm. of natural law you've i'm sure you've heard of that and it's a field that is spread everywhere it's it lies at the depth of all matter it's a field of unbounded space from which the universe arises physics is maybe not fully uh worked out the formulas for that reality but they're moving in that direction but Maharishi, the founder of Transcendental Meditation, has always said the transcendence is parallel to the unified field. It's an unbounded field. And the experience of that is an experience of unbounded. Consciousness becomes less localized. And, and as one settles down, it begins to spread out. It's, if, it's, if, it's, a, it's as if you have a... Uh, a frozen piece of ice and then you begin to stir it and it begins to melt and it becomes more like liquid more unbounded there are no hard boundaries and it just becomes this liquid field of bliss that spreads out everywhere in the universe and so when that experience of transcendence grows and one feels less boundaries and that unboundedness grows, that expansion grows more and more as the stress is dissolved. You could say the stress is the hardness and as as they dissolve, consciousness becomes more liquid, more fluid, more flowing within. And then you're really sharing your being throughout all creation because your being then becomes unbounded and is spread out everywhere. And so you're sharing that state of your own coherence. You're, you could say there's two aspects to your being. There's the universal aspect, the transcendental aspect, which every person on the planet has within in the depths of their silence. And then there's the individual aspect, and that's our personality and who we are when we come out of meditation. But the more we experience transcendence, the more we spread and share our universal aspect and eventually even at, even in activity and that's the growing state of enlightenment 
Yes, which was going to lead me to my next question here in a second. But I'm glad, and I, and I think this, I like the word you use to describe transcendental meditation because I also like to describe kind of like the spiritual, let's say the spiritual journey, the spiritual path, and the way you just yeah. kind of described it. Is that when you're, when you're making that change and things are happening, life, life itself can become effortless if we let it be exactly exactly and 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 then everything you're talking about and i'm gonna try to keep you know and i'm trying to 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 also keep in mind some of our listeners is that what you're describing is actually you know kind of like the way one spiritual journey is going so you have your individual work but by doing this work, you realize you are much, you are part of a much bigger plan. <laughs> yes. As we go down this path. And it's like, One? oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, please. No, go go ahead. Uh, no and, I, and I'm just kind of just talking from my perspective. And, and once that's kind of aligned and you've been working on that, you really come to this place of, of peace of kind of like who you are individually. But at the same time, you know, you're part of this big, this whole universe. And you. And if we, each one of us played that role and understand we're all in this together, that's kind of where, you know, magic starts happening in one individual life. Like, for example, if I'm taking a walk and all of a come maybe a few years ago, I wouldn't, you know, necessarily maybe make eye contact with the person coming the other way and saying hello and smile. And now what's happening is I'm doing that and I'm having in-depth conversations with people that I would have never had conversations with before. Yes, you're more open. More open, right. And more trusting because once once you've had that experience within yourself, you, you realize that every person has that transcendence within that, that, wholeness within and so you would never want to harm that in any way right <laughs> and, that, and 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 just about the path in maharishi has said that actually it's really a pathless path because the transcendent is there and it's the self unfolding itself to itself by itself within itself so ultimately, we really aren't going anywhere. It's just a blossoming of who we are inside and connecting with that universal level, which is also who we are. It's actually ultimately who we are because we are that wholeness. We are that universal, what you just said, that universal aspect of ourself as well. Yes, Totally. Yes. I totally, you know, a hundred percent agree with that. And we kind of, we kind of had a conversation on this, John and I and wrote a blog early, you know, I don't know, maybe, uh, I don't know, six to eight months ago that we kind of relate to this is, but, but make it a path of heart. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, you know, yes. cause but, but the path of the heart, the intellect and, um, heart are are very connected and yeah. sometimes you think what do I do do I go with my mind do right. I go with my heart do I go with my feeling and the path of the heart is is the path of the heart unfolding and when the stresses begin to dissolve literally the heart begins to open up and literally mm. you begin to feel the heart open up physiologically and begin to flow and the fine feeling level those very very tender fine feelings is on the junction point of the transcendent it's the finest level of our being and i'm sure you and your listeners everyone has listened oh if i just gone by my feeling We've all had faced that where we've had some feeling and we, when we go with it, everything turns out right. And when we don't go with it, like, oh, if I'd just gone by my feeling, because the feeling level is closest to the transcendent. And as the stress dissolves, we become more 
you could say, attuned to those finer feelings. We're able to pick them up on a much deeper level and able to go by them. And then life begins to flow. And then that really is the path of the heart because it's the path of the feeling. But the intellect also becomes very um, actually much more sharper and more acute as well. You're, it's not like everything's all blissy and you don't see uh, maybe some negativity. It's important to discriminate and to be alert to to the positive things and, and business or whatever we deal with in life. There are some things that we should avoid. But those those senses, those the uh, fear or Fear comes when we need it because it, it protects us. It shouldn't be the fight or flight, which is what happens today in this very stressed world. What is happening today is the fight and flight responses on all the time. People feel anxious all the time. And they really then can't discriminate what is real fear, which you know they really need to be alert to. So all these senses, all the intellect and the heart and and the fight and flight response, all these things become more acute, more sharp. We become more fine-tuned to feeling. But it's really through the path of the heart and through the feeling level. Okay. So, wow, well said. And that kind of leads <laughs> me into the next question, which may also lead into the question of your book, The, the Journey of Enlightenment. But what does, I mean, and what does enlightenment mean? Well, enlightenment has long been regarded as a state reserved for those few rare individuals who sit in a cave somewhere, recluse, or uh, in some cave in India, or someone maybe living in a monastery. And it was originally thought maybe you had to give up all your possessions and lead an austere life. And when Maharishi left India, he proclaimed that enlightenment, in fact, should be the most normal, natural state of life. So what, what, what is enlightenment? What is, what is it that you just asked? And it really means living fullness of life 24 hours a day. It means enjoying 200% of life, 100% of the inner value, the inner spiritual content of life, along with 100% of the material value. And it also means gaining the full support of natural law, which allows us to effortlessly fulfill desires. And what does that mean? We just touched upon it a little bit. When we transcend, Maharishi called that the transcendent, the home of all the laws of nature. And when our awareness starts to experience transcendence, we start to feel we have more support in everything to do, we do. Life begins to flow more effortlessly. Have you noticed that in your own life after you've learned to meditate? Everything just seems to be there as needed more and more. Yes. How about you, John? Because you've done meditation. Yeah. The meditation I do, Anne's a little bit it's not transcendental. I do it as part of my martial arts practice. It's really more yes. of focusing on the breath and emptying the mind and opening the heart. Um, and it's it's been a journey. I mean, when I first started, it was really difficult. And there are still times today where some days are easier than others. So it's right. fascinating to me that this technique of transcendental meditation is so... Um, seems so effortless and um for me a lot of things have changed over my gosh i think it's seven years now of practice practicing martial arts and meditation um that it's been very beneficial but i'm still i, I feel like i'm still on this journey and still learning and and understanding new things every day and and it's very interesting. So I have a very dear friend um, who's been practicing transcendental meditation for 40 years and, you know, someone who's been practicing for a few months and he he put it, he put it, I, I don't know the exact quote he said, but it's like, we're all on the same path. It doesn't matter if you've been doing this for 40 years or, or two weeks, 
we can still have, we could still have those same experiences. And what I'm realizing it is, is that word effortless and, and then putting that into your being and realize that could also now apply to your everyday life. Yes. Yes. And have the and have the inner awareness when that effortless isn't happening in your life, whatever it may be in work, in relationships, or whatever it may be, is have the inner awareness now to maybe just take a step back and really look at it from a of a spiritual perspective and what have you is lessons being learned, so you can make those you know changes for your better for your well being, and it just yes and it, yes. We're like a jigsaw puzzle trying to figure ourselves out. Well, but I would I would just say though, in when we talk about enlightenment, it's really the refinement of the nervous system and a stress to solve, um, and purity grows in the nervous system. That leads to more refinement, and it leads to the ability to maintain transcendence along with activity, and. Naturally, there's going to be bumps on the way, and naturally, we deal with things on the outside, so we have good days and bad days. But as time goes on, those as the nervous system becomes more refined and more stronger as a result, the bumps are less, and the effortlessness and the bliss is more because you are maintaining more and more that connection to the field of unity within and just back on the subject of enlightenment uh, the final stroke of enlightenment is the experience of unity consciousness where you're enjoying that infinite universal value of your own self in every object of perception and you feel that spiritual fulfillment enjoying everything in life and at that point life really is effortless but it's not through any intellect of trying to put pieces together it's just through the regular practice of meditating and each day establishing a little more the experience of transcendence and drawing the transcendence into activity bit by bit day by day naturally the intellect is lively and we learn things on the way that uh connects more and more and and puts those pieces of the whole puzzle together on the outside but it's really based but enlightenment is really based on the transformation of consciousness but you do need the intellect to verify the experiences it's like you could have a diamond and you may not know the value of the diamond until you study about the value of the diamond so the intellect is important in understanding the experiences and understanding the changes that the physiology is taking that's taking place in the physiology as well is that is was that yeah. clear yeah john and i are both nodding our heads you know just okay, you, you know taking it all in i think more than anything I, okay. that's the beauty of our show part right. of our show is we're actually learning yes we that's why we do this show, absolutely so. Sometimes we have to think about it a little bit. <laughs> you know, just absorbing that, you know, that uh, beautiful, beautiful, um, you know, just explanation and enlightenment. So as far as your book, and then what's the journey of enlightenment? Take us through your book. Or- yes, it's um, what, what the main point I try to establish is that throughout time, People have had experiences of transcendence. Athletes, they've had experience of what's called the zone, where they've had experience of transcendence. Great writers, poets, uh, philosophers, they have all had experience of transcendence. And those experiences have really been life-transforming. And it goes to show that it's within everyone But what they didn't have necessarily was a technique to repeat it and have the experience grow and grow in daily life. So the first thing I'd like I try to point out in the book that transcendence is natural, it's within everyone. And two, that there is a technique where that will allow easy access to it for those who feel they haven't had it 
or maybe have had it and haven't been able to repeat it again. And then the third thing I bring out in my book are what's called seven states of consciousness. I give a framework to understand all these experiences that you have heard throughout time. Maybe I could read one experience just to, to give an understanding. This would be an experience of unity consciousness by Ralph Waldo Emerson. Would it be all right to read his experience? Absolutely. Okay, good. This is an excerpt, ex- excerpt from The Oversoul, uh, which was published in 1841. So, quote, Within man is the soul of the whole, the wise silence, the universal beauty, to which every part and particle is equally related, the eternal one. And this deep power in which we exist and whose beatitude is all accessible to us, is not only self-sufficing and perfect in every hour, but the act of seeing and the thing seen, the seer and the spectacle, the subject and the object are one. We see the world piece by piece as the sun, the moon, the animal, the tree, but the whole of which these are the shining parts, is the soul. So this, end quote, so this is a very beautiful experience of unity consciousness. So I, in my book, put that, put his quote, or put his writing, and several other writings from different peeping, people, including Albert Einstein, and a few other people, the actor William Shatner, all who expressed experiences of unity consciousness. So I give a framework to understand these experiences of transcendence. Um, Maharishi elucidated seven states of consciousness. Four were all fam- three were all familiar with the waking, dreaming, and sleeping state. The fourth state is transcendental consciousness, which is has its unique neurophysiological uh, correspondence. And the fifth state of consciousness is called cosmic consciousness. And that is the transcendent along with activity. So even in activity, we don't lose the experience of transcendence. And then the next state of consciousness, Marishi called glorified cosmic consciousness, or God consciousness. God consciousness sounds very religious, a very big word, but it's not actually religious at all. It's really just appreciating the consciousness of the whole creation, the creator's creation. And so it's very refined experiences. Uh, Did you notice, Chris, after you learned to meditate, that life became a little brighter? You began to notice more detail just more detail in nature, life took on just a little bit more sparkling quality. Absolutely. I mean, as as we're doing this show, um, I'm looking outside because I live directly across a park. And every day I'm, do, I'm walking and, you know, around the park. And what you just described is happening, you know, on a daily basis where going for a walk is a whole different experience than it was a year ago, you know, yes. to your, to your and, point. And that's exactly the experience of what we say, glorified cosmic consciousness or God consciousness. Perception becomes more and more refined and we begin to appreciate the creation around us. And then the final stroke, the seventh state is unity consciousness, which we experience the transcendent, not only in activity, but it's a little more abstract, but we experience the infinite value. We experience it as our own self. It's not separate from us. The outer world is no longer separate from us. It really is. We are really one with it, and we experience that oneness, that infinite value the perception of the relative dances and sings and glorifies itself in the value of the infinite 
value of life, the transcendent value of life. So I elucidate the seven states of consciousness, and uh, then I touch on other subjects like, is enlightenment possible? Then I have a chapter on the neurophysiology of enlightenment, uh, going a little bit into the scientific research on the changes that take place in the physiology. And then I discuss uh, what is love, what is bliss. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and then I have a chapter on that the world is as we are. If we're happy, the, the world around us is happy. And uh, then I end with a vision of the world uh, through, through many people meditating the possibility of how the world could change through many people, hundreds of thousands of people mem- me- meditating. Now, I also have a question, uh, excuse me, one chapter on uh, the divine feminine, uh, just because I am a female. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I wanted to touch upon that and self-empowerment and woman's liberation as well. So I, I address that aspect as well. So I do cover many subjects within the whole book, but the overall book is really the journey of enlightenment, which is just the journey of of unfolding who we are inside, the totality of who we are, our full potential as human beings. And that should be the most normal, natural state of life. It really is our birthright to unfold the fullness of our being and that means experience experiencing the depths of our mind from the surface level all the way down to those finer quieter levels until we experience the transcendent and then bringing that out into activity and making that a permanent reality wow that was that was awesome and i'll, <laughs> I'll tell you what what, what that um you know, perked me up, and kind of one of the reasons we did this show is you mentioned, um, you know, you being a female and women's liberation, and what we have found how this show got started is John and I were struggling, you know, with, you know, based on the outside world, you know, man needs liberation right now because we, and and we need to figure out, you know, what it is. Not what it is to be a man, but the role has changed, you know, from the outside world. And, right, you know, right. and one of those now to come a piece of th- with that is what we've been talking about the whole time is meditation. So one could kind of get in touch with their masculinity of really who they are. And I think, you know, John, John, I'm going to bring this up because we talked about this last week. And I think you brought this up earlier, Am, is... You know, when you started practice transcendental meditation, you realize all the creativity and stuff was coming out and poetry and writing and and all this stuff was coming out. Well, we all have that. We all have that create in our own way. We're all creative and we are all artists. And to have that inner knowing that that that's there, we just have to have the tools to get us there. Exactly. I read your blog on freedom. Oh, what did you think? I liked it. I was going to leave a comment. Oh, please do. Thank you. (laughs) But I I would say liberation, just at the very least, at the very least, means being free from fatigue and stress because that can imprison us. Uh, We've taught prisoners TM and people who are behind bars, many for... 20, 30 years, and some of the comments of the prisoners say they feel freedom for the first time in their life because they're being freed from the stress that just is such a weight on them. It just weighs them down, and it weighs us down. When we're, so, on the very, very, at the, on the very surface level, that is what liberation means. But on the deepest level, it means experiencing that unboundedness within. And that is the full potential of our femininity and also the full potential of our masculinity as well. Both are, both are there in, in its full glory within the transcendent because the transcendent 
contains everything in creation. Mm -hmm. So when we can tap into that, we tap into all aspects of who we are. And maybe the feminine value needs a little more balance and the masculine value might be a little too strong and that maybe needs to become imbalanced or vice versa. Uh, some women need to become a little more invincible inside or sometimes they need to be more nourishing inside, the more feminine quality. So it all balances out. And the way to balance it out is just to experience transcendence, that state of freedom, that state of pure freedom, uh, because it's a state where the st stress is little by little dissolved more and more, and it's a state of unboundedness. So real liberation is not really on the outside world, what society tells us. Of course, we need equal rights and equal pay and all that, but real liberation is, is self-liberation when we can unleash the transcendent value of our own self into everyday life and when we're no longer imprisoned by our anxiety, fatigue, and stress. Yes. And, you know, that again, well said, and if we have these certain practices in place that we can do daily, we can get to that place. Yes, for sure. Definitely. It's there inside. Yeah, it is in all yeah. of us. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Johnny, you have anything more? This has been great. I mean, I need to go for a walk after this. No, this, is a, <laughs> this is another great educational hour for us. Right. And... Well, I loved your questions. It was educational for me. Awesome. And, you know, we are so very grateful for you uh, coming on the show today. And where, where could our audience find you? I have a website. It's called enlightenmentforeveryone.com. Enlightenmentforeveryone.com. I also have a, my Facebook page, which is um, facebook.com slash enlightenmentforeveryone. And I'm always posting uh, any news. Recently, I came out with a CD for children called You're a Hero, and that brings out principles. Children, every child, everyone, not only children, uh, would, in, would, grow, or would be beneficial for them to grow up learning like life is here to enjoy, the world is as we are, peace begins within, look for the light, that's the principle where uh, there's always the rose and the thorn, but look for the rose. What you see, you become. We're all possibilities. Anything's possible. So that that's the theme of that a CD for children, but really for all ages. And uh, so that's it. That's great. I'm gonna I'm gonna go get that CD because uh, I've got two little ones at home that. I'm sure we'll oh, good. It. It, yeah. I have a cousin who uh, plays it to help her children sleep at night. Oh, okay. <laughs> nice. Good. Nice. That, might, that might help my son. He's been, uh, <laughs> he keeps getting up in the middle of the night. Oh. Well, Anne, I'll pu I'm putting out there that our paths will cross and we'll have the, the uh, opportunity to meet someday in the near future. That would be wonderful. And thank you both, John and Chris really a pleasure for me to talk to you it was great having you on the show and if you want to know when our next guest is going to be on make sure you subscribe to the humble warrior podcast on itunes follow us on twitter at the warrior pod and like the humble warrior podcast on facebook instagram and youtube and until next week live brave join us next week for the next episode of the humble warrior podcast Subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review on iTunes or visit HumbleWarriorPodcast.com to listen to our past episodes.